It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We are back. The Flow Track Podcast got a busy show for you today. Cross country, indoors, collegians, pros, little bit of everything. Good morning, Gordon. It's been a few hours since I've seen you. How are you doing? Yeah, it has been a few hours. I'm doing good. Uh, we were in Las Vegas yesterday. A quick day trip. Felt weird leaving on a Sunday afternoon and coming back on a Monday night. Uh, just. It, it felt like it was I was gone for a while, but at the same time, I wasn't. It was weird. But yeah, we were in Vegas yesterday for the Silver State Collegiate XC Challenge. Or NAU, BYU, Washington, Notre Dame, all in, in person. Got to see some cross-country action. And I felt like we learned some things that we did not know going in. Uh, we learned how good Nico Young can be and will be. We learned about the intentions of a lot of these distance schools indoor versus outdoor um i mean indoor versus cross country excuse me uh yeah i think we came out of it kind of having a clearer understanding of who's going to be good in march and who is not even going to bother running indoor in march so (laughs) but yeah i enjoyed my time there the races actually as of right now as we're recording this are now up on the site uh took some time but all six races are up on the site so you can rewatch them in all their glory me on the back of a cart mm. cam holding holding a, a camera and trying not to shake it. And me sitting at a few spots to get that crucial two-second bit of video that really brings the video together, really breathes life into your video. Yes, yes, yes. Really does. It does a great job. It was yeah, we're weird. All- this meet was weird because, like, there's, like, not many people there. Like, the fields were, like, less than 50 there were some B races where there's only like three teams of five. It was like 15 runners. Uh, it was a very unique cross-country experience. When you go to cross-country meets, you think, you know, hundreds of people, people, fans cheering, waving flags. This was not like that. It was one like no other. Yeah. Uh, adding to the fact that it was in Las Vegas and it was in February, it was odd by all accounts uh, I yeah. had to pinch myself a couple times like, wait, what am I doing? Where am I right now? What am I watching? Because you get sucked in because you're watching BYU, NAU. You're watching Washington. You're watching Notre Dame. And then you just take a step back after they run by and you look around at where you are and what you're doing. You're like, whoa, this is this is like an alternate reality, <laughs> a, a bit that we're living in here. Let's Let's dive right in, though. Let's dive right in to a discussion that you and I had while we were at this meet, while we were living in that alternate reality, and I certainly thought you were living in an alternate reality when you came to me after this men's race, and you basically, Gordon, you were ready to give the trophy to NAU. You're ready to walk over to their camp, hand it to Mike Smith, shake his hand, and congratulate him, and say you're the 2021 NCAA cross country champions for the winter version of this meet. Well, first of all, it's not called the 2021. NCAA championships. It's going to be called the 2020-2021. You know, like in a football, a basketball okay. year, it's both years. So that's how we're calling it. It's the 2020-21 NCAA 
NCAA cross country championships because we can't call it the 2021 cross country championships because there's already it's going to be another 2021 in, in October. So, I mean, in November. So let's get that right. But yeah, I did want, yeah, <laughs> I, NAU came out of that meet. It's the first time you could take an L and be the best team and like be like, yep, we're better than you. I mean, Luis Grijalva is a known data point. He was not, he was there. He was actually sitting on the back of the cart with me. I told him he couldn't. I told him, hey, I know you're going to want to cheer for your teammates, but since I'm recording the video, it'd be kind of weird if the entire time the audio is just someone cheering, go Nico Young, go Nico Young. So I told him, mm -hmm. hey, man, you can watch, but you just got to be quiet. And he, he did a good job. He didn't, he didn't cheer, which was great. Uh, but he was there, but he didn't run. He's healthy. There's not any injury concern. He literally did a workout the day before. Um, mm -hmm. But he's a known commodity. He's a 13-team guy. He is literally just beat Connor Mance at his own game in October. Goes on and beats a Cooper Tier in a 5K. Can beat Drew Hunter in a 5K and a 3K. He has shown that he's one of the best runners in the nation right now. No worse than getting second in that race. He probably would have won that race. And if you replace their five stick with the one stick, the score ends up being 54 to 33, which is pretty dominant in my opinion, by winning over 21 points. Beating BYU by 20 points, I think, is proof that, like, hey, you're the favorites. That's right. I agree. I, I, I agree if you throw him into that race, and I think Ed Eyestone said as much in his post-race interview, BYU's coach said, hey, you know, if Grijalva's in there, we lose by a, a considerable margin and we got the win. However, there's positives for BYU here, too. Mance looked great. He had a couple injuries over the past few years. The rest of their top four was solid. Klinger, Shumway, uh, Garnica looked really good in that group. They just need to find a fifth, which is difficult to do. So, yes, I think there's no disputing the fact that NAU is the favorite right now. NAU should be ranked number one in the nation. However... There's still a lot of time to go. So when you layer the hypothetical on top of the hypothetical, if Grijalva was running, and then if everybody runs the exact same way in six weeks on a much harder course right, with different weather at a longer distance, there's just still too much uncertainty here. And I think BYU showed enough to me to indicate that they have a chance, a good chance. At this point, I would put it 60-40 right now, probably NAU. What? BYU. Yeah, I would. No. They still have it. They still have a chance. They still have a chance. You have they have six weeks to shore up number five, basically. And if they can shore up number five, then it'd be a complete, complete toss-up. But you don't know how they're gonna respond in six weeks. You don't know if everybody's gonna run the same way for NAU. You don't know going to ten thousand. Um if, if it's going to be, if Nico Young is going to be as good at 10,000 and he was at 8K, or if uh, Mance will be able to put a little bit more separation when there's a bigger race here. So I think you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself by crowning him right now in February when we're still six weeks to go. Pump the brakes Let's a little bit, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, Mance putting a little bit of separation on Nico Young isn't going to mean much. It doesn't matter if he beats Nico Young by 20 seconds or five seconds, if there's only like one or two bodies between them, it's only a two-point advantage or a one-point advantage. So Connor Mance can win by a million miles, but if Nico Young finishes in the top five and Lewis Gorhalva finishes in the top five, BYU does not have a response for that. Casey Klinger is right. good, but Casey Klinger isn't showing that he's a top five guy the way Nico Young and Lewis Gorhalva are. So uh, let's talk a little bit about well, Nico, well, though. Oh, okay. Okay, fine. I'll talk about Nico. Well, no, yeah. let, let me let me start it off. Let me set the discussion on Nico off with this, though. When I talked to Connor Mance after the race, he was surprised. He was amazed by how good Nico Young was. He didn't really know much about him in terms of, like, whether or not he'd be in, in, in shape to run that fast, right? He said they obviously noticed Grijalva wasn't there. And then he and he noticed that another NAU runner was struggling and said, "Oh, who's this other NAU guy?" He said, "Other NAU guy's really good." And then he realized, "Oh, this is Nico Young. Right? This is one of the greatest high school runners in in history." I thought I thought that was I thought that was funny. And he also talked about and this is probably something that you can speak to firsthand, sitting on the back of the cart. 
Mance had two ideas. Okay, basically, do I wait and kick or do I push from farther out? And he opted for the wait and kick strategy. And I think that just goes to show you how good Nico is that Mance opted for that opted for that strategy. Maybe it'll be different over 10,000, especially in six weeks on a harder course. But Mance certainly was impressed by what he saw out there. And he was he was spending a lot of time with Nico at the front. Yeah, and even if Mance was like, hey, I could have probably won by more if he would have went earlier. But the fact that Nico was like dropping Casey Klinger was like a sign of mm-hmm. like, hey, like I'm I'm separate from like NAU's number two guy, Nico Young, is much better than BYU's number two guy in Casey Klinger. And that's what I got most out of that. Connor Mance is very likely to beat Nico Young in a 10K the experience, the maturity, all that. But like Nico showed that he can handle it, that he's like not going to be like, I mean, Grant Fisher, what, finished 18th in cross? Uh, a lot. Sometimes a lot of true freshmen don't really ever finish so high up, like top 10. Yeah. And I think Nico Young might be one of those rare guys who's like, I can finish top 10 as a true freshman. I mean, Futsum was only like top 40 as a true freshman. I mean, I think the last – I mean, obviously, Cesarek was top. the unicorn. But, like, most true freshmen don't run up with the big boys in their first season. Non-red shirt, true freshman. And I think Nico Young's proven that he's going to be a top 10, top 5 guy. But, yeah, watching the race, there was a moment where Connor was like, oh, Nico's been pushing – because Nico pushed the pace. If you watch the race back, Nico kind of hit in the back in the first, like, 2K. But after, like, 3 or 4K – Nico was in the front and he was like pushing the pace because they went 2250. That's pretty, that's pretty good for an AK. I'm not sure mm-hmm. course measurements exactly, but it was pretty quick. Uh, but there's a moment when Connor Mance made a move. I think probably maybe I couldn't tell if it was 800 out or if it was 1K out, but Connor Mance was like, all right, I'm going to make a move. I'm going to drop him and it's, it's all she wrote. I'll be by myself and I'll win this. He he put he makes a move and Nico covers it like immediately. Yeah. And Connor was like, "Oh shit!" So then Connor then kind of. I don't think he said off. that actually. For the record, you might you might thought it. Uh, takes his foot off the gas pedal and then waits a little longer and then makes a move with like the final hundred meters. So instead of trying to break him like far out, once Nico wasn't broken far right, out, right. Connor changed his mind. He's like, I'll wait till 100 meters and just speed and beat him in speed. So it was smart. Yeah, it was smart. It was smart. But Connor, like after the race, was looking at Nico like he was like, he was like confused. (laughs) He was like, he had like this eye on his face, like, dude, you're good. He was like, that's impressive. Like, that's, he was like, that's not normal. He was like, complimenting him, like, what you did is not normal. Like, you should not Mm -hmm. have been able to challenge me for that long. And he basically was telling like Nico, "Hey, you're good. That this wasn't like a, oh yeah, well, what a freshman. Just like I didn't, because he basically was telling him I tried, I tried to beat you, and it took mm-hmm. seven thousand and nine hundred and fifty meters before I knew I was going to win. Yeah. So yeah, no, and and credit to Mance for figuring out a, a way to win there. Yeah, against someone as talented as Nico. Credit to Nico for coming in." after some track races this, I guess, winter and late fall that weren't necessarily the big splash that people anticipated. This was his big introduction to collegiate running, this race. This race, you saw why he was so highly touted going in. This is the race why some people on this show, I'm not going to name names, some people on this show think he's going to break 1330 (laughs) in the 5K outdoors. Other people not necessarily Nico believers like I am, but other people uh, do believe. But to balance it out from the BYU perspective, we only need to go back to the last NCAA championships to see what you think on paper doesn't necessarily happen. And look, you got seven people on the line. All it takes is three of them having a bad day and you could be sunk. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. So your depth, all your options, this guy ran this track time or this guy ran really well in this Las Vegas race. None of that matters when you get on the line right now, the tables appear to have turned from what we saw in Terre Haute where 
NAU was running a man behind. Their two was with BYU's three and so on and so forth. It looks like now, as you mentioned, with Grijalva and Nico up with Mance, that now NAU is running a man ahead of BYU. But all it takes is one bad bad race from one person in there for that to come apart or one injury or, I mean, I, I don't have to mention the, the, the elephant in the room, right? Which is causing a lot of people to miss time and miss races. Something like that could happen as well too. Again, I think NAU is number one now, I, even though they lost, which is a weird part of the sport, but I'm keeping it 60-40 right now. We were just in Vegas, so I'm into odds right now, 60-40. I don't know what, what I could get. Uh, on that if I went to the sports book at the Luxor, but because uh, I, I did like I did like that Klinger was was right there and the fact that they're holding the line. Again, he's got a little bit of a gap. He was 13 seconds back of Nico, but he was four seconds ahead of Nur. Garnica was a little bit ahead of Farrow there. Um so they had, you know, three of the top six is is pretty good. Four in the top ten with Shumway there. He was what he was about there was about a 15 second gap BYU from three to four. And what, I mean, where they, where this really opened up, and why this was close was their fifth man, Elijah Armstrong, was twenty eighth with a, he was twenty three fifty three, so that was uh, almost thirty seconds there. Would you change your mind, or would you be less optimistic about your pick if BYU's four and five finished together in ten eleven? No. This NAU team is better than their team last year. It's a better team. It's everyone. They replace Jordy Beamish with Nico Young. This is a better team. They replace well, Jordy Beamish who... They lost last year. They have to be yeah, better. Yeah, but last they year... But, but, but going into last year, and they were considered... BYU like might be better, the, too. No, BYU's not better. BYU might be better. I no. think they might be better. I mean, this is going to be definitely is- bolts and material for BYU. But, like, this is not a 60-40 thing. This is, like... I think... Okay, maybe I'm a gambling man, but I know we. you're like, well, look at last year. BYU beat NAU last year. You're like, I think we'll find out if last year was the rule or the exception. Because is it the exception that BYU just happened to won? Or is it the rule where, like, NAU can lose any day of the week? Like, because the phrase, like, anything can happen in cross country. Well, if NAU goes out there and wins, that means, you know, Four out of five years, that means 80% of the time they're winning. Mm-hmm. That's not anything can happen. If you win something 80% of the time, it's not a crapshoot. You're a dominant team. And I just think their team is – I mean, throwing Drew Bosley as well. He's their top returner from cross. Like, we are comparing – You really want to use BYU. that? You really want to use that one as the, as the data point there? The top returner from a race where half their team didn't run well? That doesn't mean come on that that doesn't Bosley's as a true freshman Bosley's great Bosley's great and Bosley yes you're right he could be top five again again though look like you're putting a lot of weight into this gap between Young and Klinger which was twelve seconds that's twelve seconds so it's a lot that is a lot right now but when we talk about another twenty percent what's what's twenty percent that's like a fifteen second gap when we get to a ten k how many people go go the other way though. It could go the other so way. Though. It could a, get smaller when you go to ten k. Nine okay. second gap. It's still it, with a bodies. different with a different with a different course. Six weeks from now, which is eternity in in cross country time, I this is closer than you're making it out to be. This okay, is hold a on, closer hold on. battle right now than you're making it out if, to be. Again, all it takes is one of these people dropping out, uh, dropping off a little bit, having a bad race, and then no, it's it wide takes open. two of them. It would take two of them. Because again, they're adding no. two. They're adding two of their top five guys, not one. So they need two of them to fail. I, well, it's not even about failing. They're going to come to play. Like they, just, okay. they just need well, to be. Let me. They should be question. off their game essentially. Yeah, ask me a question. Let me ask. Let me ask you a question. It's if yeah. you look at the BYU uh, uh, results at at nationals last year. Okay, they they're they went. 3, 14, 17, 36, 39. That was their top five. And then their sixth man was 73. Okay? If their fifth man doesn't perform up there and finish, you know, right there with their fourth man, they their second, like, 
their second bullet was all the way back in 73. So they were basically, it's these five. We're either going to win with these five or we're going to lose with these five because they didn't have their six, seven really in the mix to compete. Does that make uh, sense? Yeah. How much okay. they win by? So, How much they win by? They won by like 50 points. Okay, it wasn't close. It wasn't close. Okay. That's not close. No, but it wasn't. What I'm it wasn't is, close. Let's just let's just say it straight up. It was not close. It no, wasn't. I know it wasn't close. But but hold on. All it took was one guy from BYU, their fifth man, to have a bad day, and NU probably could have won. Okay, exactly. But it's the same argument. Exactly. It's the same argument that you've been that's saying. My, right. But, that's and my what point. I'm saying is, what I'm saying, if that thing could have happened, it didn't. BYU won fair and square. They're like no disrespect. They beat a really good NAU team, and BYU deserves every lick of that national championship. But if BYU's fifth man that day happened to have a bad day, right? And NAU right. ends up winning a four-peat and then goes on and has this performance here at the Silver State Collegiate Cross-Country Challenge in Las Vegas, Nevada in February. Would you be think, <laughs> would you be would you be thinking 60-40? If NAU won last again? year, would you if NAU won last year? All right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But BYU still had like the same performance except for their fifth man just happened to fall off, right? right. They all right, and then you won by one point. And then this performance happened. What would be your perspective? Would it still be 60-40 if BYU could win? Yeah. Would you... It'd be close to the same. It'd be close to the same because really? also factoring in, when's the last time these teams have been on a cross-country course? Last October, October right? When you were there? So, again, yeah. we're putting so much weight into this this event. And I know that the BYU guys have gotten on the track and run some fast times. So – a little bit of an apples to oranges comparison, but it's just going to be a different. If it's it's yeah. it's going to be an entirely different race when they go again in March. And you know, I, I again, I'm not saying I'm not saying any of you is not the favorite. I'm not saying any of you is not the favorite. Let me be very clear with that. Yeah, I agree with you there because I remember the first season opener for NAU last year, like Theo Quacks and Brody Hasty both like finished top six. And they went like two, three, four, yeah. five, and you're like, oh, they're all going to finish top ten. I, I agree, like, the Blaze Pharaoh is not going to finish top 10. Like, Blaze Pharaoh is probably going to finish in the 40s to 50s. I get that. But I just think that we're holding on to the one BYU win as a justification for thinking it's close. And I just think that's not true. I think, you know, it's like Golden State Warriors – are they lose one playoff game and now you're like you're oh, like it's close it lose but like they they you know if do if if a team goes on and wins every playoff series 4-1 right and mm-hmm. then they go on to the next round are people going to be like yeah well you know they did lose one game in that playoff series so i think they're going to lose this seven game series because they only won 4-1 against the previous team no they'll be like no they're a better team and that's what i think but, here again Anything can happen. They're kids. It's cross country. Crazy things happen. There's COVID a lot happened. of variability. You can listen to this podcast and be like, F you, Gordon. We're going to show you up and then ring the bell. But. <laughs> and you he- brought up Hasty. You brought up Hasty, which is a great point. He was yes. NAU's seventh okay. guy. He was a minute and a half back of the winner. Do you think that's indicative of Brody Hasty's ability right now? Maybe. Okay, I'm gonna say no. Think, it's not. I'm gonna no. I'm no. gonna say he had a horrible day, and, and I'm gonna he say I'm gonna day. say this. I'm gonna say if they ran the same seven at nationals, maybe he's their third guy, and their third guy be- has the bad day where Brody Hasty is. That just shows yes, you the okay. level of variability here from race to race. Because no, Brody Hasty overnight did not become that much slower. He just had a bad day. No, that's yeah. that's what well, I'm I mean, willing to believe. But Brody so, could just be not as fit as the other guys right now and Brody might right. just you know Brody's more of a miler anyway 5k miler so like Brody could just be like hey I'm like it's a weird season so I'll be good outdoor right the thing about NAU I, I don't think that's a big deal is because they have like 10 guys who are in their top seven so right. I don't I think, but I think by the end guy, of the year he will make the top 10 or I, th- I think by the end of the year he will be in the top seven and I think he'll be on the start line in Stillwater, and I would guess he's not going to be 
their seventh. May, I don't think he's going to be their first, but I think that's not an indication of how good Bertie yeah. Hasty is, which just goes to show you, you should not have brought the trophy with you to Craig Ranch Regional Park <laughs> yesterday and given it out on February For 1st. Work. There's a reason. And, and and NAU did not want the trophy I was giving them. They were not all about that. They did not want that exactly. smoke fire. They just, yeah. Uh, but I they still thought your them, point was hey. ridiculous. This is why I'm my speaking point, up. The, my points are not ridiculous. ridiculous. Well, you can't okay, just so, use the argument anything can happen across country because you can say that like. No, I'm not Sunday. just doing that. Yeah. I'm not yeah. just doing that. I'm doing that with a team that had a guy win the individual race. Another guy who finished fourth, another guy who finished sixth, they were only a man behind here, really. If even if you throw in Grijalva, they're just a man behind. No, they're two men behind. And then you, what if you throw in Drew Bosley? Okay, well, what if you throw in everybody? I mean, like no, but like here's I mean, the thing: no, who's that man? No, who's that man? You're Elijah Armstrong, who finished like a hundred every year in cross. They'll Boise State. They could they they could find they're somebody. Finding, where are they, they finding could, these people? Their B team, like factory, where they like grow a new. Hey, we need a new guy, and like I know, but but adding Bosley is not the same thing as adding Grijalva. Grijalva is a legit game changer because he's somebody who can be, well, top three. Versus who is Bosley adding? Who's B? Well, I mean, Armstrong could run better, of course. That's a that's possibility. Troutner could run better. That's a possibility. So I mean, there's we are. You're, it's, not you're like more, ever, you, it's not like they've lacked depth. BYU has never had a depth problem. Okay, hold on. So we are banking on BYU's Elijah Armstrong transfer from Boise State, who always finishes in the hundreds, or Aiden Troutner, who is a, a freshman, over sophomore Drew Bosley, who literally finished top twenty-five last year. I just no. No, what we're doing is I just looked up the B race, so twenty four oh one. So they would have got okay, thirty no, first. There would have no, no. They, I'm just looking. He, the winner of the B race was eight seconds behind Armstrong, and for BYU, and that was Ethan Cannon twenty four oh one, Connor Weaver twenty four oh three, Adam Wood twenty four oh four. They got options. I'm saying you add in great names, the time, great you, BYU names. You add, you add <laughs> in the, you add in. You're not making any friends today. You add in. <laughs> That it goes to 10,000. The course gets harder. I'm just saying there's all sorts of variables get thrown into the mix, and they're, they have a shot. It's not like they got eighth in this meet. They didn't. Mance is healthy. I'll give Shumway's you they have really a shot. Good. I, I'll give you they have a shot, but it's not 40%, man. Like, okay. It's like I have no way of 15. proving whether or not that was right or not, because even if they lose, I could say, well, they had a 40% chance, and then they lost. Yeah. But if they <laughs> If they win, I'm good. Okay, exactly. let's change topics. I think, yeah, I think let's change topics though. Yeah. You're you're okay. we've we we we've heard your point. You're gonna bring the trophy, drive it down to Flagstaff. We get it. It's <laughs> over. Um something we learned here. What do we a mean? couple things we learned? Well, we learned talking to people, long story short, not a lot of people running indoor or prioritizing indoor. Correct. And I think that yes. that's a a headline to come out of the meet, and that's why you go to these meets, Gordon. That's why you show up, you talk to the coaches, you talk to the athletes, you put your iPhone 11 in front of their face from a socially distant six feet away, and you say, hey, what are you doing this winter? Yer Nagus says he's focusing on cross-country. NAU says they're focusing on cross-country. BYU, Connor Mance said, okay, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do both. That would be awesome. But the priority probably towards cross-country. But they're going to look at descending order lists, as I'm sure all coaches are doing. So we are left with a situation here where, at least on the men's side, we don't know what's going to happen with the women. might be a little bit more complicated there. That this indoor field is going to be wide open and everybody seems to be going all in on cross country, which which surprised me. I got to be honest. Yeah. I mean, first of all, NAU, they were, they could have put like five guys in the 5k, right? They would, they would have had the favorite in the five and the three that goes away. Mm -hmm. Notre Dame, they were would have been the favorites in the DMR. The Goose would have been the favorite in the mile. Maybe the, even the, a top three favorite in the 3K. And then you see these announcements that Nagus and Grijalva are focusing on cross and Connor's kind of on the on the fence. I think Connor's going to do both. Uh, but 
at the same time, over in Arkansas, Oregon is tearing it up, and so is Arkansas. Like, Amon Kemboy is running well. Oregon's Cole Hawker and Cooper Tier running 744, 746, something like that. They run a 919 DMR collegiate record. So mm-hmm. they're running fast miles. Oregon is tearing it up. Mm-hmm. And I think that shows that, like, basically Oregon is saying, all right, we're putting all of our eggs. We're going to the well for indoor and see what we have left for cross. And then NAU, BYU, and Notre Dame are just going to avoid the well of indoor, skip it, and leapfrog right to Stillwater and then go all in on cross. Uh, I get it. As a fan, I would have wished everyone tries to do both because I thought it would be kind of cool to see, like, yeah. trilogies, you know, see Connor and Luis Grijalva face each other at the 5K, 3K, and then at the 10K. <laughs> and, like, yeah. see someone try to go for all three and then someone get upset in the cross. You know, that would have been kind of cool. But I think – didn't Yared say something about how it's kind of hard to train for mile-type uh, race efforts? while you're still trying to also prepare for a 10K? Exactly. The difference in the distance, just too much to do simultaneously. And then I think from a BYU-NAU perspective is they put so much value in the cross-country season. We could win a national title there, whereas they don't see that possibility in indoors. And then the toll that it would take of, okay, I'm going to run a 5K or 3K, especially the 3K, and then I'm going to come back two days later if we lose by two or three points, that would be really devastating as a team because maybe I could have gotten those other points if I wasn't as tired. One thing I noticed as well, too, we talked about this before when we heard some people go pro. How many reigning individual NCAA champs are there? Or how many NCAA champs are there at all competing right now in the NCAA still? I can think of one. Yard and a goose. And I think if we had a situation where Wayne Kalati came back we would see her do it because it was the next challenge for her oh i'm gonna try to do both and if it doesn't work out okay i still got some individual titles but we have a lot of people gordon going for their first most of the ncaa will be going for their first individual title on the distance side of things so they don't want to play games with trying to get their first title so i think you're going to see now people just pick their spots and try to move all the way in on those as opposed to risking it, spreading themselves too thin and running two or three races over the course of a few days. Well, after watching the race, I was kind of interested to see how Yared would do in this field because, you know, he won ACCs. He really wasn't challenged much in cross, but he also mm-hmm. post-cross last year, he kind of break out. You know, he dominated. Uh, he was running fast miles, fast 3Ks. We probably thought... He probably could have won maybe the indoor 3K last year. He was running on fire, um, and then everything got shut down. And I felt like his development has been like, who maybe he's going to go from a 40-ish type guy in cross to maybe a top five guy. So I was excited yeah. to see how he would do against someone like Mance. He didn't really, he wasn't really in the mix much, kind of out of it. Uh, finished top ten, but wasn't really up there challenging with Nico and and Casey Klinger and and Connor Mance. So this makes me think about it. When he says to you, I'm going all in on cross, it, he he's not in the mix to win individually. So clearly he's going all in on cross for his team's purpose, right? Yeah. And they have a good team, but their team is definitely not really in the category BYU-NAU yet. Maybe, like you said, anything can happen. They could put it all together in six weeks from now. But he's a senior. He mm-hmm. has a chance to make an Olympic team. You said this to me off the pod, but do you think him foregoing an opportunity to rack up an extra NCAA indoor mile title or an NCAA 3K title hurts his value as a pro? Because he could go into negotiation of like, hey, I'm a four-time NCAA champion or something, five-time, mm-hmm. right? Because he has two DMRs, 15, you know, they can add yeah, two more. Yeah, he yeah. could like rack up all yeah. these. He could be like six-time NCAA champion but he's going to forgo that opportunity to be like, I got 25th at cross. Yeah. You know, I, like- yes. Oh, it was, it, it is surprising to me. And especially with the DMR component with, with Notre Dame, you could still have that team element and then allow them to compete indoors. 
when I thought about it more, this this is what I thought about though. Maybe they're worried about just jamming a lot of races together in a short period of time and cross just leads into a nice buildup for outdoors. And the priority really is outdoors. Defend that outdoor title, go into the Olympic trials with a shot to make the team. And then that's where you, that's where you get the contract at that point. That's the only thing I could think of because you're right. He is guys, a miler, right? 3k stretching, but the guy, I mean, he reminds me, I've said it before. It reminds me of, of, of weeding in that he has, I don't know. Weeding was, you know, made, made a lot of hay as an 800 meter runner, but he, he has that nose for the finish line. He knows just he knows how to win. He knows how to judge his effort and judge his kick. He just he seems so comfortable on the track, regardless of if the race is fast or if it's tactical. He finds ways to put himself in the perfect position to win every single time. So that's where that's where it surprised me because the complete opposite of that is okay, 10K in Stillwater on some rolling hills. It's just that's as far of it, as far of that from that as you could go. But maybe from the mental side of things, it's it's a good adjustment for him heading into outdoors. But yeah, it's a big, it's a big surprise. I wanted to bring up something else that I think we learned this weekend, which is that the women's race is wide open, not just because of what we saw in Las Vegas, but we talked to some coaches, tried to figure out what's going on with different programs, and there's a lot of I'm not quite sure <laughs> going on out there of who's competing and what, who's emphasizing what who's who's cross who's indoors you know BYU won this won this meet but the New Mexico women weren't there BYU was missing their one and then two other pieces from their top five as well too they could be a a podium team are you defaulting back to just okay it's NC State versus Stanford like it's a two-team race at this point are you factoring other teams in or have you completely given up on trying to figure out the women's field might have completely given up. Uh, I think I'm waiting on some, I'm waiting on something, right? Especially NC State, right? Yeah. Are they yeah. gonna be just heading into cross country nationals with just like, hey, remember what we did October? We're here, and like just trust that the October version of NC State is what we're gonna see in March. I would think they're gonna want to do at least one tune up to kind of show what they have, but mm-hmm. and then Stanford. I think Stanford is planning on running at this meet uh, on February 18th. There's a second Nevada meet coming up. We might go, we might not, we'll find out. Uh, but I think if Stanford goes there and then, you know, Ella Donahue and all their top women run a strong, mm-hmm. you know, s- small gap, like uh, by gap, I mean a uh, spread, small spread, spread between their first and their fifth. Uh, then we'll be like, all right, Stanford's the real deal. But yeah, th- just the women, we, I think, one thing that is kind of great about the two best teams being NAU and BYU on the men's side is they're both super focused on cross, right? And they race, they've been racing each other a lot. Mm-hmm. Like we normally don't get one versus two this often. They're in the same region. They're not afraid to race each other. Uh, we There's a lot of times when one and the two, they kind of avoid each other and they just don't want to show their cards. But mm-hmm. I think because of the pandemic, they're like, Hey, we don't need to hide. We just need to run. Who cares if yeah. we lose to yeah. them? Like they're they're not afraid to lose during these regular season matches because they know they just need data points to learn. Uh with the women, we haven't really seen Stanford versus New NC State because they're on the other side of the country, right? It's hard to get mm-hmm. them to come together. And New Mexico would have been in that mix, but then when Wendy Kaladi goes pro, that just changes the dynamic of that team. Uh there's just a lot of unknown on the women's side. I mean, if you, I mean, if, even if you look at last year's field, I mean, most of the top 20 athletes were probably all seniors, right? So it's just without having, I mean, what's the most post NCAAs last year or two years ago, whatever? Have we had any like true barometer, like understanding? of the women's field during invitationals the way we have on the men's side, because New Mexico didn't, hasn't run, right. They haven't run. Mm -hmm. Stanford hasn't run. 
NC State has run, but they've only raced ACC opponents who aren't in the category of podium contenders. Oregon mm-hmm. hasn't run. Washington yeah. just ran now, but like only ran like half their team. Like Michigan couldn't run. We just haven't yeah. had a lot of the regular season type matchups on the women's side the way we have on the men because we had Oklahoma State come in and run well. We had Notre yeah. Dame face. NAU and BYU. Arkansas was running often, so this yeah, is the a, top. A, that's that's the one that you say anything can happen in cross. Definitely on the women's side, anything can happen because we have no idea. This is the women's individual top ten from 2019. Kaladi pro, Monson pro, Izzo out of eligibility, Werner out of eligibility. Well, I guess Monson was out of eligibility in cross too. Uh, Wayman. Senior, Burke, senior, Orton back, Donahue back, Kurgot, eligibility, Ellie Hines, eligibility. So the hot, the best returner is seventh, and it's only two of the top ten individually for the women that are back. I'm interested to see what New Mexico does. I'm interested to see Washington when they put their full squad out there. I think BYU could be a podium team. I tend to just default to Stanford and, and NC State, but – I don't know. I mean, Michigan State won Big Tens, but Michigan wasn't there. Maybe the Michigan women, uh, if they get a chance to to compete and get in this meet uh, in, in the NCAA championships, that is, then then they could they could get on the podium. It's just, yeah, it, it's definitely hard to to sort out. And the same things I think will play out a bit for the women in terms of people deciding indoor or out, or sorry, indoor or across, because we've seen Arkansas, for example. They're making a big pit push for indoors. You can just see they're racing early and often, and they're going to qualify a bunch of people. They might do that Stanford approach that you were talking about in the mile where they just flood on. There's five Arkansas women in the mile and three in the 3K and uh, women in the 5K. I saw Katie Izzo ran 15, 30 and change in, in the 5,000 over the weekend. So I think their main push is for indoors, but – Everybody else, I'm, I'm not sure about. Also, should mention Wisconsin men got the Big Ten title. We previewed that a bit last week, and they got it done. They didn't with run some young guys one of their top guys them. too. Yeah, yeah. They didn't run Jack Mayer. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think they were missing. Weren't they missing Hacker as well too? I mean, they had a they had a very freshman, Maybe. freshman heavy squad there as well too. I want to talk a bit about indoors really briefly and then um i want to end with the atl meet but i texted you last night only somewhat joking and it was hey someone clinched an a ncaa title this weekend but it wasn't nau and i was referring to the oregon men because the oregon men look really good indoors right now you mentioned their distance exploits they broke the collegiate record in the dmr you had Charlie Hunter run a 354 mile. You had Tier and Hawker run 746 and, and beat Wesley Kiptu. But you also had a freshman sprinter, Micah Williams, break the school record and run 756 in the 60. He's the national 656. leader. 656, excuse me. Yeah, 756 would, would not get you the national lead. Uh, it <laughs> might get you the flow track lead. You might be the leader uh, when me and Gordon race each other. And you had – they also have a triple jumper. I know how you like to dig into the field events here. The, the a, a triple jumper who is number two now in the NCAA with a mark that – I looked it up, would score points at the NCAA meet, like would have scored in the 2019 NCAA meet. So national leader in the 60, maybe they'll get somebody in the 200 as well. You have a, a multi-event guy as well who could qualify. And then you just – they're going to pile up the points, I think, in mile, 3K, 5K – DMR there. I think Oregon is the favorite for the men now. I'm joking a bit about giving them the trophy now, but I think they're the favorite. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I haven't dived. I kind of wanted to wait this past weekend to really dive back into my rankings. But yeah, I mean, I had NAU dominating the 5K, 3K, and like all those type of events, Mm -hmm. but now that they're pulling all their out, pulling out, and we know that Nagoose is out, Oregon is going to fill up a lot of those slots. Uh, yeah, and yeah, they're definitely. They were already in the podium conversation without scoring a bunch of points. 
now that they're going all in on indoor, yeah, they probably are going to be the favorite when it comes comes down to it. I still don't know how LSU is doing. I think they still have some really good field guys. Uh, so don't want to crown it yet because I haven't done the rankings, but by the end of this week when the rankings are back up for at least the flow track rankings, not the USTFCCA rankings because those, let's just be honest, nah. It's all about the flow track rankings. Um, I think Oregon probably will end up being number one. Yeah. I mean, especially yeah. when you have – I don't think that's their freshman sprinter, though, is going to win. I mean, I, I think he probably will still be top five. But still, that's five points. That yeah. goes a long way. Throw in Cooper Tier now, if he has no competition, if his only competition yeah. was Wesley Kiptu and Lemoyne Kemboy, he just smoked them. I mean, Cooper Tier could pull off a Galen Rupp – and do like a 5K, 3K DMR triple. Like he could. <laughs> You're signing him up. Gordon's doing it to He's... another poor athlete. Signing him up. Well, th- I mean, I'm just blown away. I mean, Cole Hawker, though, we saw him Cole, with that yeah. 5K when he raced against Centro. He's a true freshman. Down, yeah, down in California. Cole Hawker, is, Cole Hawker is legit. So this looks like a little bit of an old school Oregon team, old school. By that I mean a few years ago when they're just going to cash in in the mid distance and distance events, but then you throw in the fact that you have a sprint threat as well too, and then you have some field events. You're spreading it out. You're not too reliant on one or two athletes. I think things are looking good for for the Oregon men this year for sure. And you're right, all the sprint points are going to get sliced and diced ten different ways. But then the distance points, who's going to be there to stop Cooper Tier? And even if, say, Mance does show up, okay, well then, even if Tier loses to him, he's still getting eight points where he maybe would have gotten five or four. There's just so many opportunities for them to score points. Charlie Hunter, like I mentioned, with that 354 mile, maybe they don't even run Cooper Tier in the DMR. Maybe they keep him fresh and he just does a 3K, 5K, or 5K, 3K double and and tries to get, get 20 there. But if you told me that the magic number was 40 points, to win an NCAA title or say 45, let's just say 45. You can come up with a bunch of different scenarios where the Oregon men get to the mid forties right now with Micah Williams, with Cooper tier, with Cole Hawker, the DMR team, Charlie Hunter. There's a lot of ways for them to get to the mid forties. Now I think Oregon is the, the favorite women's side. Oh, I I don't want to talk about Oregon is basically the worst. Now this is, Basically, I think the Floridas, the AMs, LSUs, now they're like, shit, one of the schools decided to go all in on indoor because it is it's gonna be very easy for Oregon and Arkansas just to dominate these these distance events with no NAU, with no BYU, Colorado probably won't be a Stanford won't be, you know, it's just uh Florida and AM and LSU, them all the Texas Techs, they're all just like shit. <laughs> they're gonna get well, so many points you- in the distance events. Yeah, and they have both. BYU and NAU couldn't, wouldn't have posed as strong a threat. Yeah, because they don't have anybody in the sixty. They don't have anybody in the triple jump. They don't have anybody in the heptathlon who can who can score points. Oregon has enough across a variety of events. Um, and Michael Williams, man, remember remember his name. Just a, just a freshman and and running six fifty six. That's really impressive. Uh, some women's results. Another Oregon freshman. Uh, Kemba Nelson, keep a eye out for her. She ran 719. She beat 20 Shateri in the 60 down in Arkansas. And then Matt Bowling ran uh, the second fastest time in the NCAA this year, 20.53 in the 200. So I think we're going to see Bowling do the 2-4 the double, which is an interesting double. It's hard we to do. See that off. I don't know if he's going to do it. It's hard. Okay, never mind. Wow, you I just mean, crushed my hopes. Oh, oh. Obiak Bakwe tried doing it for Houston, and he was just like, mm-hmm. it just burnt out. It, it's so okay. they're so close to each other. It's really hard to do. I think he might try to do both, but if Georgia was smart, they would probably just put him in the two and let Elijah Goodwin own the four, so they can try to spread out the points better. Uh, I think that would be the smarter move, but we'll see. Okay, because but- I because it's gonna be hard. It's going to be really hard for him to score in the two coming off of 400, I just think. He, like, best case scenario, he gets like three points in the two. 
I like how you said, hey, you don't want to overdo it with him, but then you're signing Cooper Tier up for the triple. Well, yeah, I mean, the well, Cooper Tier is going to be going up against a bunch of like low tier athletes where, you know, Matthew Bowen will go up against like a Terrence Laird and all the, the top sprinters yeah. in the country. So, mm-hmm. one more meet I want to talk about American Track League number two took place on Sunday. Bryce Hopple, 144.37, second fastest time on the U.S. list behind Donovan Brazier, just behind Donovan Brazier, we should say. Again, don't want to toot my horn too much, but you had him running, what, like a 147 because nobody cares about indoors or something that. like that? No. You had him running slow. Yeah. I think you were over on Maybe the one. I said 145.5. I was even too cautious. Bryce Hopple's legit, and I will give you credit for one point. You probably forgot that you made this point, but last year you said Hopple was going to be able to compete with Brazier. It was not going to be a walkover that we're going to see Hopple, you know, at some point even beat, beat Brazier. And I think that might bear out because Hopple does not back down at all. Obviously Brazier wasn't in this race, actually wasn't even in this meet, had to pull out because of uh, COVID issues, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself based on one meet, but I think it's going to take sub 144 to win the Olympic trials. And it might oh, even yeah. take the American 100%. record. It might even take the American record. Whoa, that'd be wild. I mean, I meant one. Sorry, year- I meant sub one forty three. Let me say that again. One sub one forty three to win the uh, uh, Olympic Yeah, maybe. I uh, I always like doing this. I always feel like the eight hundred just has the dynamic of. I don't know why, but I always feel like we always are setting ourselves for the next uh, Nick Simmons versus Dwayne Solomon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the guy who goes out from the gun, and he's the 400-meter guy, and then the guy who kind of can, like, sit and kick. Mm-hmm. And that's where we have Donovan Brazier can go out in 49 seconds, come back and run a 143 easily, and then Bryce Hopple will sit and kick the way Nick Simmons would do mm-hmm. that. And so we'll have that back and forth between Hopple and Brazier. Brazier right now, though, I mean, Hop, I guess Hopple right now doesn't really have the pedigree to say that he is at the same level as Brazier, but Hopple does have the talent to, on a good day, get the upset. Because it's not like Brazier will never lose again in his career. He's going to lose eventually. Mm-hmm. And I think Hopple would be that guy to break it, break up his winning streaks. It'll be so. interesting if Hopple's able to get his record this winter. That will be an interesting escalation. Ooh, that's I what you want. That, then it starts Brazier's to become like, a rivalry at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's yeah. got to get he's got to get some wins over him. But if he gets his indoor American record, he's yeah. encroaching on his ter- in territory. And I think we're going to get a better and better race. But I'm – again, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But if, if you're running, you know, 144 indoors – I think we're going to – and we know how competitive these two guys are. Brazier does not like to lose, didn't like to lose heats of championship races in college, had that absurd win streak. I think it might take sub-143 to to win the Olympic trials, and I would not be surprised if the American record gets broken in Eugene this summer at the Olympic trials with those two guys at the front. It's going to be fun. And I it's think fun. – yeah. And I think most people have already checked off two of the three members of the 800-meter U.S. team as Brazier and Hopple. Questioning who is at third spot, most people probably before this race went off, that third spot was going to Clayton Murphy, you know, bronze medalist in 2016, mm-hmm. uh, had an off year in 2017, but like he's been still strong and good most of his career. Once 148 here, Gets beat by a couple guys. I mean, Eric Swinsky comes in and runs 145. Yeah, PR. Where, what's PR. PR? That's awesome. Yeah, he's like that was over a, the age incredible. of 30 in PR. Yeah. I, that, I did not have that one on my board. That was that yeah. came out of nowhere. Yeah. You're all – yeah. Hey, hey, like you said, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Even on the indoor track, <laughs> anything can happen. Yeah. Uh, but what what do you think is the landscape right now of that third spot with Swinsky – in his late years, PRing Clayton Murphy running a, a poor 148 
Again, it's only one random meet in January. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Clay Murphy is better than a 148, you know. But yeah, we can't we can't on who, who, one hand say indoors doesn't really matter, and then the moment somebody runs a poor race, be like indoors means everything. It matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Hopple, you're right. I think Hopple and Brazier, we feel really good about those guys just based on what they did in 1920 and now into 21. But who's in that group with Murphy? Harris, you'd put him in there. Yeah. You gotta, I guess, factor in Sawinski just because of the the experience and the savvy. I mean, is someone like Dixon yeah. in that group? Like the list the of names Dick- isn't that yeah. big, but I'm I'm thinking back to 2016 and Charles Jock made the team. And that was a big surprise. In fact, Gordon, you may have read the story, but he rode his bike to the meet that day. I don't know if you I don't know if you read that story. I heard about Charles that. Charles Jock rode his bike. But I would so there Dixon, could be a huge upset like that, but I don't know who I don't know who else is in that group of guys who can get my that worry about spot. Dixon is my worry about Dixon is I think he's probably the most likely candidate for third, but he's the least race round ready. Like I don't think he's ever done three rounds in his career for an eight hundred. Has he? Has he ever done USAs in three rounds? I can only like, think. I, I can only picture him. At, I can only picture him at NCAA's, but yeah. I could be. I could be wrong. Yeah, so I feel sure. like that's his like his one thing that if coach is smart, they would be like, all right, we need to get you ready to be able to do back to back eight hundreds and then prepare for a a, a third eight hundred. Um, yeah, Harris, but we haven't seen Harris run much. I don't. I don't know. There'll be a person the who thing. emerges. There will be, be a person who emerges. emerges. But if 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 Harris and Sawinski and Dixon have strong springs, and Murphy is just running like one forty sixes, people aren't going to just give it to Murphy. You know, they'll be like, all right, there is an opening. Mm-hmm. They'll. Mm-hmm. If if people if there's a bunch of guys who are being consistent and Murphy hasn't like gone into the 144 realm often, people will be willing to be like, all right, I'm willing to give someone an opportunity to take Murphy Murphy's spot. Mm-hmm. I just looked it up. It looks like Dixon ran USA's in 2017, so he's pretty young then, and went out in the first round and then didn't run him in 2019 per my record. Yeah. So to answer your question. No, he ran no. two rounds. He ran two rounds at NCAA prelims and then two rounds at NCAA finals, but those were separated. I'm I'm guessing you're talking about the way they run it in the three, championship style. Three races in, in four days. Yeah. Yeah. The women's 800 is just so much different with, with the tiers that you have because you have Raven Rogers, Ajay Wilson, and then you have that next group of of women, you know, you include, include a thing, Mo in there, you include Hannah green, Sierra Brown, you include Nia Aikens like that. Those are like, there's a lot of people, a lot of people that wouldn't surprise you from that group who could make it to the Olympics. But, but for the men that I'm just struggling, who else belongs in that group? Maybe it is going to stay that small and maybe it, you will get to the final and it'll be, those four or five names and then three people who are just incredible long shots and will need a miracle to make the team, which could set up to be an interesting race, kind of like how it was in, in 2008. Yeah. Man, good pod. Great pod. Johnny Miller Weibo, 20, 2240. Johnny Miller Weibo in the 200. I know we talked about that. Oh, that's what that went? I was confused. Last week. When I saw your, your, your notes for the pod, it's just an SMU. I thought yeah, it was like Miller Weber. Well, I was thinking like the school SMU. Oh, I was gonna talk about I was gonna talk about DAS too. You know DAS? She ran she ran well this you week. You know Ashley Smith got a couple yeah. wins. There S- you go. You know yeah. what I you know what I think you know what I think of when I think of SMU? The football team? Shake Shake Maybe. Milton. Sixth man of the year, Philadelphia seventy six. Oh yeah. I know. Yeah, this you don't is want to no think about NBA. a podcast that discusses uh, basketball anymore. Uh, are we going to be back on Wednesday? Or are we going to do Thursday, Friday? What are we going to do? What's the strategy? I don't know, man. What do you think? Do you, do we have anything new to put out tomorrow? Do you have rankings coming out that we can discuss? Yeah, I'm talking rankings tonight. Okay, we talk about some Let's rankings do tomorrow. Let's do tomorrow, okay. and then we'll go Friday. So we'll get back on schedule. We were again, we were on site yesterday, which is why there was no 
Monday podcast. But you can find all the where can people find the races, Gordon? All six races. Flowtrack.com. Okay. Check it out. I mean, they're all on the site Thanks now. For, they're on the site now. I'm gonna check. I'm double checking to make sure you're not making things up. You can also watch interviews from the meet on the site, conducted by yours truly. Again, a little rusty. Hadn't done many interviews in a while. So uh be nice to me. Oh, I hear that background music. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Thank you, Gordon, for co-hosting. Thanks to Alon for producing. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.